Is there readiness about you? All right, here I we am. go. All right, golf nerds, welcome to Swing Thoughts. I'm Howard, there's Tim. Tim, Howard, Howard, and Tim. You all right? Yeah, the sound is, uh, the sound, it sounds like in a big cave or something. Sounds great, huh? No. <laughs> what do you mean it sounds like it's in a big cave? The, the, the sound. We did a whole thing, Does it, we did a whole check before we started recording. I didn't hear you go, it sounds like we're in a cave. No, you didn't play the song. But oh, okay. Maybe that's just the headphones or something. Does it still sound like you're in a big cave? I sound fine. It was just uh, our good friend, Mark Knopfler. Sounded it, like he was in a cave? It did, yeah. Yeah, like a cave underwater or something. Can I tell you something? What? You're a very strange man. I don't know how many we are doing. What's our? Are we on the winter schedule still? Still, are we doing like every couple of weeks, every three weeks or so? Um, and when does our golf season begin? Is it at the Masters? I don't even know anymore. Every two weeks or so, yeah. That's kind of our winter sked. Um, All right. When do we officially start? Master? Sure. Maybe. It's, uh, Masters Pretty will soon. Go, go every week. Pretty soon. Pretty soon. Wow, we're getting ready. Tim O'Connor is the uh, mental performance coach at Glen Abbey, and that's the uh, you should take advantage of this guy. Tim.O'Connor at uh, something dot something. Yeah, Tim at O'ConnorGolf.ca. The dot comes... Later, Tim at O'ConnorGolf.ca. That's my email. Yeah. Why aren't you? Why aren't you? Don't. Okay. And, and my website is O'ConnorGolf.ca. Pause the podcast. Go to O'Connor's thing. Sign up for some uh, sessions. Yeah. Read How my, dare you? Read my blog on Jimi Hendrix. How yeah. cool is that? Um, and of course, you can get a hold of me on the uh, on SiriusXM, this country's greatest value. The Humble and Fred Show. Absolutely. And uh, I'm available for uh, private functions. I'm not even sure what that is. It's Golf Spiritual Leader. Golf Spiritual Leader. And uh, let's see, it's been a few weeks since we recorded last. In those uh, two and a half weeks, I've been to yoga ten times. Wow. Why? Awesome. Because that's how I do things. Even this week, when I've been sick, I went four times. That's excellent. Now, that's I'm not sure if we mentioned this last time we were together, but I had done some yoga you know, in my past, um, different times in my life. But I noticed that, you know, I, I would message you, you'd be like, I'm at the gym, or I talked to my other golf buddies, I'm doing some gym stuff. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so I thought, you know, that the easiest thing for my frail frame has always been to go and do yoga. Because without really thinking about it too much, you really get a, uh, a good workout. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm already feeling stronger and certainly more flexible. And meditation boy, I'd forgotten. That's what I called Tim, meditation boy. Yeah. From Golf Spiritual Leader. I like it. Uh, it really is, and they call it a moving meditation. I'll tell you why it's great for golfers, if you don't mind. Because I'm thoroughly do, open. To because doing that, didn't I tell you about that that one teacher I had a couple weeks ago who talked about the anti fragility? Wasn't that you I was talking about that with? Anti fragility. Yeah, you'll love this. I do. I'm already like anti fragility. This like I'm caught by just the the phrase. So at the beginning of every uh, class, a good instructor will set an intention for that yeah. class. Yes. 
And here's why it's so good for golf. Because this one instructor I had a few weeks ago said, uh, as we were getting warmed up, she said, you know, set your intention for today to be present in the room, uh, which is, you know, a great thing for golf to be present. You always talk about that. We do. And then she said this. She said, remember that the struggle, because, you know, if you haven't been to yoga, you think it's just making a bunch of... uh, I don't know. I don't even know what you think. Look at people with stretchy pants yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but it's really hard. And mm-hmm. it's using your body weight and you really, it, there's a lot of struggling in the class. And she said, remember that the struggle is the thing and that breathing through that, that those difficult moments builds our anti-fragility. It gives us um, some, ener- I'm not sure if that's the right word. It gives us some evidence we build evidence of being able to breathe through the struggle. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's so good for golfers. Absolutely. Not only because of the, uh, you know, the fact that it builds some, inf- um, what's the word I'm looking for? for uh, Resilience? No. Strength? No. Ability to withstand the, the slings and arrows of life? Thank you. Welcome <laughs> to old white men trying to remember words. Uh, it builds some uh, flexibility. But it also builds, and you, you got it there, builds some strength of, of being able to, to be struggling. Because I struggle in every one of the, I did a class yesterday. And, I, I, you know, it's difficult. And she, this woman was doing some different uh, variations of the poses. And a couple times, like, your body is shaking. Yeah. And all she said to us was, listen, wherever you are in this particular moment, just breathe through it. Yeah. Breathe through it. Let your breath be your guide. Etc. And I thought, wow, isn't that a, a perfect sort of metaphor for what we do as golfers and, and what you talk a lot about in your practice? The other thing that she says, and this is an old yoga thing I'd heard years ago, is it's called yoga practice, not yoga perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Call, and, and, and I would give you, I now give to you for your reaction. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. What? she's talking about in many ways is what is uh, is to be with it be with the struggle and you know whether it's in life relationships or golf uh we're often in struggle but what we tend to do is want to escape it so we go into our heads or we try to come up with strategies to get the hell out of what's going on whereas in fact if we're with whatever's going on that's where we need to be it's very odd it goes against our culture of I have pain. I want to escape pain as fast as I can. No, when you're with the struggle, you actually build strength with it to move out of it. It's really, it's really, really interesting how those things go. The more we're in, uh, say you're having a difficulty in a relationship, most times you just want to bolt and run away. If you stay with it, you'll work through it. And you work through the same thing in, in, your, in your own golf. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I do that joke, and I've said it a few times on the show, that golfers, you know, they, we love the first tee because so far nothing bad has happened to us. The idea is somewhere in our subconscious, the, the idea, the feeling that nothing bad should happen to us is one of the reasons that we lose our minds. But using this sort of yogic practice, reminding me once again that, you know, when you're on the third hole of your round and things seem to be going okay, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you hit a shot, whether it's, you know, just it doesn't turn out how you wanted it to, and it begins a spiral of 
you know, we've all been there where, man, we were going good for a while and all of a sudden we weren't because as you say, we want to escape it. And what golfers do to escape stress, trouble and, and whatever is they start to speed up. Yep. Uh, and, and they get in their heads, particularly they try and figure this shit out. And when we're, when we're thinking we're disconnected from our senses. Yes. So in yoga, they want you to stay as connected as you can to your body because your body is connected to your emotions and your thoughts take you out of that. Well, I mean, we've all had the experience. I know you and I, I mean, we've all had the experience where after we've had a a catastrophic hole, you know, where you've made a seven or an eight, you've made a quad or a triple, you look back and go, wow, it all, it all, just kept going quicker because you hit a bad shot and then you hit your next one. You try and get out of the trees, but it hits the trees and now you're in the pine straw and you have to take a drop and all of a sudden the hole's over yeah. and it seemed like, what just, what the hell just happened? I got there? hijacked. Yeah. When in actual fact, you know, the best advice we can give anybody is, you know, when you're in trouble, you know, I use that phrase of my friend, uh, Paul Henrik, you know, when it's your turn, take your turn, especially when you're in trouble take a little extra time to kind to to slow that that voice in your head that humiliation that judgment that yeah that future that. tense whatever um and i got thinking about that and and the fact that i've gone back to yoga the last three or four weeks now and you know it, it, it's real i tell you what it's funny because it really is great for golf muscles absolutely um but it's also reminded me that being in the moment of uncomfortableness is kind of what we all, as you say, we try and escape it, but if we stay with it, then we build evidence the next time. You know, one of the things that we've talked a lot about in this show, but individually together with other people as well is, you know, when you can turn that triple into a bogey, the next time you're in trouble, you go, oh, I've been here before. Mm -hmm. It's not so bad, you know, and I have a method for dealing with it. Um, We can use the example of Adam Hadwin. You know, oh, yeah. third last hole uh, oh. of the tournament, you know, out of nowhere. I mean, he's, yeah. he's hitting it so good. And out of nowhere, he hits it in the water. Now, that's the rest of us. We've all been in that situation. But imagine how amplified it is. You're that close to your first PGA Tour victory, which means you go to the Masters, all of that stuff. Yeah, and the third last hole, he hits a, the big leaky one into the water. What did you think when you saw him do that? I thought, well... This is actually not bad. This is not bad. To have. This will be the test because he's got a two-shot lead at that point. So he probably knows he's heading to double. Can I stay with this? Can I be anti-fragile? How's that for a connection? Hmm. To, be, to be strong with it. And, man, he was. It wasn't the end of the freaking world. He just he went down there. He took his drop. He ended up making double. So we're tied. Let's go on. I didn't see anything in his body language. I didn't see anything in the discussion he was having with his caddy that anything changed at all. It's just business as usual. Because, you know, as golf spiritual leader, you said, bad stuff is going to happen. Sometimes it happens on Thursday with a lip out, and sometimes it happens Friday with a double bogey coming down the stretch for your first win. You've just got to roll with that stuff. And he did. That's a great point, you know. We've, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're, uh, you know, you're an 85 shooter, your bad hole. I know everyone does that too. They go, well, you know, I got that out of the way. You know, you have a bad hole. You go, well, you know, uh, we, we. I've had people. I've heard people say this. So have you? Where they go, uh, uh, well, I was bound to happen, or I was bound to have it. 
But it's better to, I, I think for a lot of people listening, it's better if it happens early in the round. Oh, yeah. But imagine it happening on the third last hole of a tournament. And you're on TV, and you shot 59 a couple months ago, and you haven't won yet, and, 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 and. You know, if that guts. happens Thursday on the, on the 16th hole, who cares? That's, that's guts. That's yeah. guts to be able to hang through that. That, you know, that he'll actually build more resilience because of that. And that'll, that'll bode well for him. Um, it was really interesting. Mark Rolfing was on the Golf Channel afterwards, and he was talking about the most impressive thing about Adam Hadwin was how he mentally reacted. Well, he didn't react. He responded well. How's that? And our good friend Rudra was all over that. He sent us the, see, that's what you're talking about, Tim. Oh, that's right, because Rudra sent us that clip, and yeah. I actually have that clip. <laughs> you know, Rudra is a good man. Oh, he is. Let me just check this out. It, we, um, we call him a hundred percenter. Oh, for sure, he's a hundy p on the uh, on the podcast. Yeah. He's also a hundred percenter on the uh, Humble and Fred show. Yeah. Um, but it really, Rolfing was absolutely correct. It was what he did to hang in there and uh, it wasn't easy coming down the stretch too so they both hit good drives on 18 um Cantlay puts it in the bunker and I bet you he was feeling a bit of nerves there because he knew his bunker play wasn't too good he I, was like one for five for the week or exactly. something and I wonder if that was connected to still struggling back issues or something but uh Hadwin wait what was that about a 25 footer up against the fringe so he had to hit he had to hit a he had uh, you know what you call I guess a bellied wedge where you hit uh, you take your the leading edge of of your uh, of your wedge and you hold it like a putter and you have to hit the ball in the equator or slightly above if you hit lower on it's good because of the loft it's mm-hmm. going to leap up on you and come short he stayed right with that and he trundled that down to about 18 inches that was Man, that was awesome to watch. You know, Cantlay's Cant—is uh, that how he pronounces it? Cantlay, Cantlay, really? Um, anyway, his bunker <sighs> shot. Yeah, I mean, not that it was for a guy at at that level. It wasn't a very good bunker shot. No, but I, I think he just had. I don't think he had faith in his bunker. Play. Well, that's what I was going to say. Isn't it interesting? What was interesting to me, at least, was. You know, there's a guy, he's a tour-level player, at one time the number one amateur in the world, yep. but just like the rest of us, because we all have parts of our game that can be fragile at times. There you go. And he knows, on this 72nd hole, he knows what his bunker play has been like that week. You know, for me, often it's a, it's a pitch shot off a tight lie. You know, I work hard at it, but when I have that shot under pressure, I always take a little extra time because in my head I know that this is something that I've had to work on. And so when he's over that bunker shot, I was thinking, hmm, if we know he's one for five, <laughs> he knows he's one for five. Exactly. And he hit kind of a mediocre shot. Mm-hmm. I, my other favorite part about that broadcast is, you know, being from Moose Jaw. <laughs> Yeah, and I and knew no, this, I knew this had to come up. <laughs> and and knowing the Hadwin family now, not his family. Oh yeah, but Hadwin's a pretty common name. Oh cool. We had neighbors like on my street, uh, the Hadwins. Larry Hadwin was a uh, a gym teacher at my brother's high school, so the name's pretty well known in the city. But my favorite part is hearing all those NBC guys say Saskatchewan. <laughs> It's like, just like it. yeah, no, it's hilarious. Like, uh, and he's from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. <laughs> here's the uh, here's uh, Mark Rolfing talking about. Uh, oh, hang on a second, I got to play it from this. It's right here. Hang on, Mark Rolfing talking about Adam Hadwin's mental commitment. Had down the stretch, to be able to eke out his first win. 
Brian, the most impressive thing to me was the mental aspect of what he did. Uh, two really, really critical times in that round. Neither one of them had anything to do with the actual execution of a golf shot. Uh, the third shot. Thank you, you. Thank you, Mark Rolfing. That's what we're talking about. Neither one of them had anything to do with the actual execution of the golf shot. Because I'll tell you what, most of us hit it in the water on 16 uh, of the club championship. Uh, we also just dive in the water. Metaphorically, maybe. Yeah, even, man. But, or, the club, or the club goes in the water. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Rudra. And that's exactly what we've been talking about for over a year now, that mm-hmm. your golf scores have so much less to do with your with your golf swing than they have to do with what's your mental not only your preparation but what's your mental vibe in that moment and his mental whatever it was his mental acuity was pretty strong absolutely what i liked was his ability to to hit that shot on 16 and even his body language you could tell he, he knew it was not going well but he just reacted with just sense of all right that's what happened let's go get this done no drama just nothing extraordinary they kept their heads uh about them and that's the thing that just what i try to do through my coaching and in this program and things we write about is that your golf swing is not the piece that's generally going to let you down it's going to be your thinking and your feeling and how that translate into your body because if you so say you had win you have a situation like that where you hit it into the into the water and you go oh crap and your body it's just like an electrical surge goes through your body so you get um, cortisol going through your body that hormone it's so hard to um, come back from that and just get yourself to because you've just sent a bolt of energy through your body and now you're, you're actually, now you're disconnected from your body. What happens is your blood starts to go away from your hands into your body. It's a fight or flight thing. Well, it goes to protect all your vital organs. Absolutely. So now you've lost your sense of touch. You're thrust into your head. Oh my gosh, what does this mean? You might even start to go down that road. How, how you know, what's it going to look, what am I going to look like? What are people going to think watching this on TV? That type of thing. So if you start to go there... You're um, you're gonna you're gonna lose connection with the present moment, lose connection with your body, and the ability to just stay with it. You know, I I've been uh, doing a lot of uh, stand-up comedy the last three or four months. I think we've established that on the podcast. Certainly talked about it on the Humble and Fred show. And you know what's so great about it? I love doing it, but it it's putting yourself. It's put I put my body you know four or five times a week in really high stress situations. I mean, not to be too dramatic, but, you know, most people uh, consider public speaking the, <laughs> yeah, rather the scariest thing they could do. Yeah, ahead Exa- of dying. Ahead of dying. <laughs> you know, they, they've list uh, things most people are afraid of. It goes public speaking, then death. <laughs> and so I find myself learning a lot about handling stress and what my body feels like and when it's going well, what it feels like. And when it's going bad, I can, my, my mouth starts to dry up, That's- my... My extremity, my thinking, it gets sluggish. Mm-hmm. Um, on on nights when it's going well, everything seems to flow. You know, it sounds like a good golf round. You know, and then all of a sudden you can lose the audience, and then I sort of have to go, okay, what am? And in your mind, you're going, what? What did I just do? What happened? Now, what do I? Where hijacked. do I go? You get hijacked. You get hijacked by, and I start to go in my head. Yep. Um, 
I mean, last night I was at a Yuck Yucks in uh, Vaughan, in uh, Woodbridge, uh, whatever. On St. Patrick's Day. On St. Patrick's Day. In, in Vaughan. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Anyway, like, I did okay. I mean, I've been on stage three times this week already. And, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday were uh, really, really good. I felt good. I had a good flow going. And I was trying some new material. And then last night, I just didn't get off uh, on a very good I didn't start very well it seemed a little bit whatever and I could I was only doing seven minutes you hooked your tee shot uh, it, it, it was almost like I it just I wasn't prepared for mm. the reaction I got it was a pretty full crowd so usually when the bigger the bigger the crowd the easier it is and I just didn't get them and for some reason I didn't react well I mean I got a bit of a cold my energy isn't what it normally is and I just sort of stumbled through it and uh, didn't feel great. It was almost like, you know, for me, I was like, I felt like I shot 85 to put yeah, a number yeah, on it. Exactly. But what I learned from it is, you know, you're, first of all, I know what my body feels like. Quite, I'm quite familiar with what I feel like under stress. And when I'm on in front of people, it's exacerbated. But this morning, I didn't listen to it last night. I just thought I'd leave it. And then this morning, I listened to it before you came to uh, the studio. And you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't as bad as it felt yeah, to me. I get it. And I think that's a, a good lesson for us as golfers because just what you said, what are people going to think about me? Well, how am I going to show up? And in actual fact, if you could video the round, most of your friends really aren't paying that close attention. Exactly. Um, you know, you're basically in your own little world. And you, th my point about the stand-up is it feels worse to us when we hit that ball in the water than it actually is. Yeah. Does that well, make sense? It, well, absolutely it does. Um, but I noticed a, at least twice in that um, when you're talking that you said the word feel. And that is the key piece. <laughs> Hello? That's uh, Hello? Stan. Hey, Stan. Who's going to be barking at my daughter. Hello, daughter. Hi. Hi um, yeah, you can take Stan. <laughs> but you were talking about feel. Yeah. Um, that is where we generally lose it. When we lose the feel of what's going on in our bodies, we get thrust into our heads, and that's when we're disconnected. That's when, as a comic, I'll suggest you disconnect from the audience, because yeah. now you're in your own head. Because your brain can only do one thing at a time. That's Some people look at that as a weakness, but actually it's a strength that you can use to your advantage. And this is the type of stuff that we do like in, uh, in my coaching and in my talks. It's like some education. And that the key thing is to stay connected to your body, to your sense of feel. And the reason is, is because that's where you connect with your emotions. Because what, so all the, you know, sounds dramatic, all the wounds, the memories, the traumas that you've had in your life are in that primitive part of your brain. So when you get triggered by something, an emotional reaction, hit the ball in the water on 16, your stand-up stand thing doesn't start well, your body reacts and oftentimes what happens is we get thrust into our heads, uh-oh, yeah. I'm in danger here. Whereas... The piece is, is that, oh, okay, this has happened, and be with it, as Adam Hadwin was. You're, you're, you're with it. It's, it's like your yoga thing. You don't run away from it. You stay with it and breathe through it, and then you connect to your body. You go, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm back here now. I'm back here now. And so rather than react, oh, I better do something in my, in my routine here to get these people on side and laughing, or what are these people going to think of me, connect to body, and you start that process of just chilling 
and responding in the way you want to. It's funny, yesterday in a, in a yoga class I was in, this really, really smart, smart woman. Uh, and, and, and the difference between instructors is how they frame the pose. The poses are usually the same, but she said at one point during a really difficult thing, and I'm re- I shouldn't, I, I was going to say, I'm really not very good at this, but you're not, you know, you're in yoga, you don't care how good or bad you are. That's right. But it's she said, uh, at one point she said, okay, this thing we're about to do, uh, she said, notice um, when it gets hard, notice that your ego shows up. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And especially for men in yoga. How am I looking? Am I, I going to lose my balance and will people laugh? Exactly. Because men especially want to um, sort of control things, I, I think. I got this. I got this. And uh, I'm no different. And But I love that she said that. She goes, we're about to do something. Now, watch that. Watch when your ego shows up. And it's because you're trying to look good doing it. And Absolutely. she said, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is just to do it. Um, I was so impressed with Hadwin for a lot of reasons. I mean, at first, when he hit it in the water, I was like a typical Canadian going, oh, great. The Canadian's going <laughs> to gag it up. You know, I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't deny that happened to me, too. Why can't the Canadian just have an easy win? <laughs> So he went, and I thought, you know, I, I was just really surprised, and I've talked about this with other golfers this week. I was just really surprised that that was his miss because the miss should have been a pull hook left. He should have been aiming so far left that if he'd hit it straight, he'd have been in the rough, and if he pulled it, he'd have been in the way left rough. Yeah, although there wasn't, there wasn't much place to miss it there. Yeah, you're right. Um, that on the right side was all bordered by tall pines, I think, or trees at least of some kind. So while he's got the... Um, you mean the well, left side or right? The right side was water. Right side water. I meant the left side was all trees. Oh, okay. So, but so you're better off in those. Up, yeah, he was teed up on the right hand side. At least you can, can you can, um, you know, if you hit it in the trees, at least you can punch That's out. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, if he had just hit dry. it straight into the trees, he's making bogey at worst. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so when he hit it in the water, my first was all those things. Great, the Canadian sucks, and we <laughs> suck, and why can't life be great for Canada? <laughs> But uh, then I was just so, well, we all saw something. We saw the measure of Adam Hadwin's mental side. And as Mark Rolfing said, all, you know, he was impressive for things that had nothing to do with his golf swing. Absolutely. And I liked also, there's a good backstory that the, um, was that NBC? Yes. It was NBC without Johnny Miller. He doesn't, Johnny only does the big events. Well, Johnny had a personal, uh, did you not hear them? I I thought that too, but uh, at one point, Dan Hicks said uh, there had been some questions about where Johnny had gone because he was supposed to be at the tournament before oh. and he had to go home for a personal uh, emergency. Oh, okay. There well, I go. hope everything's fine. So you're about to take a big shit on Johnny, weren't you? I was yeah, not going to. Big giant Tim Dump. Okay. Anyway, uh, no. We you, hope you all is well with the Miller family. Apparently everything sincerely. is. Okay, yeah, good, Everything good, is fine. Good. Okay, now <laughs> what were what we freaking talking about? I don't know. Uh, uh, NBC said, asked me if it was NBC. Oh, I know, I know, NBC. They talked about how he met when he started to, to um, this serious relationship with this young lady, and now they're, you know, they're going to get married, and that whole storyline, right? I love that, yeah. What they said was that she watched him, and he got, it was about a year ago, he got really mad, and I think he swung his uh, club at a tree or something. She said, enough of that crap. Says, you're a big boy now. Let's be a big boy. Yeah. And that got through and um so wonderful to see that that maturity happen with him and that sometimes that's what it takes someone in your life who's really important to say smarten up speaking of which the week before uh, i can't remember what tournament it was but uh 
Did you see what Mexico? T- that was in uh, Mexico. Well, I'm not sure, but yeah, it was a World Golf Championship. Dustin did, Johnson. Did you see what Justin Thomas did? Was it Justin that let his club go and almost hit somebody? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and did you also see the tweets? I didn't see the tweets, but I'll tell you what I what you don't see on the PGA Tour is the fine that he would have gotten for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they don't like to talk about it, which no. is weird. But I wish they would. I, yeah. Well, so do I because it's you know, but in in a weird way, it's, I guess they keep their business to themselves, and it it doesn't. What it doesn't do is hurt the players sponsorship ability yeah, yeah, yeah but that was really really dangerous oh absolutely 100 as a guy that's thrown many many clubs <laughs> yeah. um and you haven't killed anyone well because i don't get fo- i don't have a lot of people following me around <laughs> exactly. although i've almost hit people i've played with or a maintenance guy you yeah. know standing beside his truck but wherever that was attention. he he tossed that club he let it go and it almost hit somebody and yeah. i could and you can hear the announcers going oh my god this is really bad. Well, I loved, but I loved how Rory McIlroy gave him some stick. There was a, he had a picture of it. That you see the club released, and then and then um, there's like a little line beside that Rory's put on. It goes right on plane, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh, uh, Justin Thomas comes back. And you remember when Rory put the th- let the three iron go? Yeah, uh, in the, in the water. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. He's got the line on it, right on plane. <laughs> Um, before we uh, get further along here, let's get the Masters theme back and uh, tell you this show was brought to you by TaylorMade, number one driver in golf. Uh, we're, uh, I guess the new M1 is out. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to get fit. We're all getting fit for the new uh, M1 and some other clubs. I'm just, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get new irons, but I definitely need new wedges. I and love of course, those PSIs. Um, I'm yeah, not yeah. changing them. Of course, uh, also brought to you by Clublink. And uh, there are, cl- I don't know, where, wherever you're listening to this show across the country, around the world, we've had this really weird weather. Early yeah. in March, late February, a couple golf courses uh, opened up. Yeah. Clublink course, uh, Hidden Lake. Hidden Lake in Burlington. And uh, then about a week ago, we got a little round of winter here. Probably the worst week of winter we've had all winter. Like, inter- like, just think about it. It was, like, really, really cold at the end of last week, and then we got snow and bitterly cold. Here's how I measure it. Because I take Stan, the dog, who just barked there at my kid. I take him out every day, you know, I do 45 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever, and I almost never miss a day. But this week, <laughs> I missed a couple days because it was just too brutal, man. Well, a Boston Terrier, don't and he, it? Yeah, he doesn't have much of a coat. And I'm old, and I don't have much of a coat. Oh, yeah. No, I used to have boxers, the same, just like Boston Terrier is just a miniature boxer. When it's really cold, they just kind of go, I ain't doing that. Hey, here's a couple things really quickly. Did you see any of the uh, David Faraday interview with Phil Mickelson? No, nah, I just saw the uh, the trailers of it. Yeah. You give me your thing, and I'll give you mine. I, I, didn't, I haven't seen episode two yet. I'm not sure. I watched the first one. I don't know. As much as I try and like Phil Mickelson. Me too. Me I can't too. stand Phil Mickelson. Neither can I. It's just, there's I just, just can't stand it's him. It's like nine on the smarmy index. Oh, he's so, you know, in some ways I feel a little bit bad for Phil. I've said this before that in any other era, in any other time, other than Nicholas, and that's pretty much it. Phil Mickelson, without Tiger, would have been the most talked about golfer on the planet for 20 years. Absolutely. 42 wins. Uh, I can't remember. Three or four majors. Three Masters. Three masters PGA. Um, and an Open Championship. Open so, Championship. So, so, so five. Yeah, exactly. I mean, amazing. An amazing career. Like, you know, in the Tom Watson conversation. And so 
Maybe Phil didn't get quite the due because he happened to be around. A he's like being a... Who was the second leading scorer during the era of Gretzky? No one cares. Exactly. And that's who Phil Mickelson is. But as a guy, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I watched it and he just... By the time it was over, I was like, I don't think I need to see the second one. Unfortunately, uh, oh man, uh, with Phil, I've always found it very complicated with him in, in that I always hated the... Um, the, that kind of the bouncy walk and the thumbs up and hey, no, how, you, how you doing? And then <laughs> I just kind of went, you know what? Maybe I'm just projecting on him because like I see myself as like the, you know, kind of like the earnest little, oh, I hope I do this right and show up and all this. And, you know, Phil, I love the way he just free wheels and hey, how you doing? I, so it's kind of like there's a part of Phil I actually want to like, but... He just comes off as disingenuous. And part of that is my experience as a as a journalist. If you're carrying a notepad and you walk by Phil, hey, Phil, on a minute. No, he doesn't even look at you. You got a camera? Whoa, that's different. Hey, the bright light smile comes on, full chicklets. He's there. It's funny you say that because I, I, I thought that too. I thought, is it just me? Am I, am I just being a, I, I, I a don't know, dick but, and I don't yeah. like Phil? But, I, I mean, it's okay. I mean, he told a couple great stories. He um, He's a very, very bright guy. He's an incredible uh, golfer. I, I actually, the things I do like about Phil, I kind of like the way he plays. Yeah. I like I like the fact that he can he gets in trouble and he just keeps on going. Oh yeah, he's a gambler. I love that. Yeah. And that you know, in 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 terms of what we talk about on this show, I mean, there's a guy with huge resilience. And I will say that round of golf, uh, Henrik Stenson and he in the last round of the Open Championship. I mean, that's that's going to be one of those things people will be talking about for a very long time. It was something else. Yeah, exactly. He shoot a 65 in a final round of a major. That should win. Yeah. But but Stenson did the uh, the 63 there. Yeah, I feel weird about that. I, I feel like uh, as, a, as a good little Christian lad uh, after St. Patrick's Day to be dissing Mickelson. But there's, you know, maybe I should get to know him better. But uh, um, there's just something that just grates on me a bit and it's it's not just me i remember when esquire did this um piece uh years ago on the most disliked uh athletes among their peers and in golf the number one one was phil mickelson and his nickname was fig jam yeah was like i think it was basically uh f i'm good just watch me something like just that. ask me just ask yeah that's yeah it. yeah yeah and i mean he so, is good you know it's just kind of like uh, it's just a little bit like rumors and stuff. There's a, there's probably a, a bit something there, but you know. Uh. But we're not the only ones to have this conversation about Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Uh, but I said there was some interesting stuff. He told a great story about uh, who was the best sort of. Um, not prankster, but the best uh, guy for giving and taking shots. And he said, you know, he learned from Azinger, but the guy on tour right now that's sort of the one you don't want to mess with is uh, Kucher. Yeah. He told a cute story about Kucher. And did you see that on the preview, the trailer? I did, yeah, yeah. I thought that was, you know, I was cute. I, I mean, like the Bones veto. This is yeah, the one yeah, yeah. only veto. I mean, maybe there's, maybe I'm overreacting, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's worth it. Know. You know what? If I got to know, I bet you if I did a sit down interview with them, it would change. And that's always in, in all relationships. I mean, sure. when I used to do, when I used to do uh, PR for companies in golf, it'd be like, okay. And you would have like, say a CEO who doesn't get along well with someone in the media. 
and they would take pot shots at each other and say, you know what? You just got to get to know each other. And that would help with, with things big time. Yeah, I think if Phil called me up and said, hey, uh, I'm going to uh, fly over there to Toronto and we yeah, can hang out, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, dude, because yeah. he's also a pilot. I'll take you to lunch. Which gives me a little bit more of affection for him. And um, have something in common beyond just golf. So uh, most people can probably tell I'm super sick, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to do the shorter version of Swing Thoughts uh, this week. So if, if nothing else, all I can offer is that uh, golf season's coming up. I've already started uh, you know, scheduling some tournaments. Like we let's do a little back and forth here. So, what's your what's your take as a coach of people? Not that you don't know the physical part, but you talk about sort of a mental warm up, and I'll talk about what I do in terms of a physical warm up to get ready. Because my first golf tournament I'm playing, I think, is the the first week of May, maybe as much as the tenth of May, but not very far from now. I'll be playing an actual golf tournament. So, what about the mental side? What do you recommend people do to kind of get themselves in the right frame of mind for golf? I think it's just like what you talked about with yoga, and that is, what's your intention? What is your intention? You, this is this is a great time to think about it. What's your intention for this golf season? What are you looking to get out of your golf game? And you could start by, let's say, doing a review of 2016. What went well? What were your strengths? What were your weaknesses? What were a lot of the behaviors that you repeated that you didn't like? What were ways that you threw away shots? What were, uh, what were times that you made decisions in which you're in a high state mentally, like angry or frustrated? If you do a re- I think that's a great place to start, is to do a really good review and you know, of the good and the not so good. And then you have some data to build on. And then you can take, okay, what are the things I'm gonna work on this year? And what's my intention? Because I believe that intention is pretty well everything, whether you are, um, you're looking at a macro level of what do I want from my, for my golf this season? And what do I want, say, in the first 90 days? So a good thing to do would be to create a 90 day plan for yourself. What do you want? in those first 90 days. And then you can also take that down to the micro level when you play golf. And I believe that you go into every round with an intention. And it's not just a break, you know, 110, 100, 90, 80. Because again, I just think that that once, if it's all about score, well, then you just kind of, that's just really too hard. Well, it's a fragile state of mind. Absolutely. And that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down on that piece. But if you have an intention... And I go with this a, a lot. We've heard this, you know, folks who've listened to the show for a while. If I can come out of a round of golf or even the season that I know more about myself, I had way more fun, and I was able to draw on my talents and skills that I have within me, boy, isn't that a win? Isn't that, isn't that much better than, oh, I, I, didn't break, uh, I didn't break 80 as much as I wanted to. Oh, I didn't bring my handicap down. Because I think that's the stuff that gets in your way. I agree. Is, is that results-oriented thinking as opposed to just a broader context of my intention <laughs> you know, of the season is I'm gonna, I want to come out of it with this that I can take into next year. As I can go have this intention for this round of golf and I can take that whatever learning is and I can take it into my next round. You know, it's funny because I, um, I have an intention 
what's been interesting, you know, getting back into doing stand-up comedy, because I did it for a living for a long time, and I've done a lot of stage stuff, but doing stand-up in a club is a lot different than hosting a golf tournament. So when I go up, I have an intention every time I walk on that stage. I, because I, you can't always judge, and this is going to sound stupid, but you can't always judge your act on, on how much laughs you got on a particular joke because there's stuff that I do that sometimes, you know, it, in some rooms it's works, it's worked in some rooms it didn't because maybe they didn't get their reference. But if I, if I live or die by the every laugh. single, did it every th- single thing land, but, but I have an overall intention. I can walk off like I did last night and I wasn't angry. I mean, I did okay, but I, I wasn't mad. I wasn't bummed out. I, I just, but I knew that my, I just missed my intention. My intention last night was to, you know, make sure they had a good time. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it on the way home and I was, there were some people in the audience. I know I said a couple things that made them uncomfortable. I know they didn't have a good time when I was on stage. Right, right. But I, I you know, I'm going to go on again tonight and I'll try and re-engage with that. Wait, wait, that's so interesting. I so your so. so your intention was Sorry. to make sure they had a good time, yeah. which is very different than an intention of I'm going to go out there and get as many laughs as I can, or I hope they love me. Yeah, exactly, because that's and that's the same result-oriented thinking as trying to score well. That's I, right. I hope I par this hole. I should par this hole. And number two is a birdie hole, or it's like you know my next joke is a killer. That's once we're thrust into that, that's self-thinking. And that's where we disengage from the world is when we're when we're really concerned with our with ourself and we actually separate from the world. But let me tell you something that I've learned, too, as a I would say, a, you know, a good player, an elite amateur player. And, and one of the lessons I've learned this winter and I'm going to take it into my golf season is to know when and, and to give your I would say this. I'm going to give you a couple of physical things and then we'll wrap up. But I would say one of the things that I've learned that I'm going to definitely bring to golf this season is an energy, is an awareness of my energy. Because I know last night and last Friday night uh, were both a little lower energy for me. Yeah, it makes sense. And when my energy is low, I don't have as much awareness around my intention, m- things I can control. And, and in same in golf, and I talked about this with you off the air, that you know, maybe playing six times a week is not the best thing for my golf game. Right. Because in, sometimes when my energy starts to wane, I don't, I'm not as present as I want to be. I'm Absolutely. Not, I'm, not as, I'm not as good at decision-making as I'd like to be. So same with stand-up. You know, I, I sort of, not that I wrote off last night, but I wasn't, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't completely there. Yeah. So I can't get mad at myself because, well, you got to recognize when, hey, you rushed from work, you didn't have time to warm up, and you just ran to the golf course. And, and you, ha- you have to accept that there are going to be rounds of golf, and not every round of golf is, is your stamp on the game. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't define me. It doesn't, thank you. Not every time I go up defines me. And I'll tell you, when I was a younger man doing stand-up for a living, you know, something like last night would devastate me. Yeah. But now I understand, like, you know, I'm going to take another crack at it tonight. It's not the end of the world. It's not a big deal. Right. You know, I feel bad because there were some people there I definitely know they didn't, they didn't like me or didn't like what I said. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Uh, I'm, going to give, I'm going to give it another shot. But it doesn't define me for the whole, as right. a whole. So let me ask you. So, yes, ask so some people might think that's rationalization. Yeah, maybe. But I think it's more of like, what did you learn from that? I will say this. Energy is everything. Um, 
for me as a as a stand-up or as a golfer so as far as getting ready for the season one of the things i like to do at the start of the season you know i'm getting into some yoga i'm doing a lot of stretching but one of the things i would say is give yourself some time because you're you'll be mentally all excited give yourself some time to catch up because mm-hmm. it takes you know we've all been playing the game a long time and even at our level you know it takes a few weeks for me, it takes a good couple of weeks before I'm really feeling the game again. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do for the first couple of weeks of it is, you know, just kind of have fun and accept being a real, mo- a real mode of acceptance. How's this? Be with the struggle. Be with the struggle. And, yeah. and, and not even, but, but I don't even look at it as a struggle at the beginning of the year. It's like, hey, I'm just happy to be outside again. And that's all I look at. Like I said, you know, I got a tournament. Intention. I got a GAO level tournament somewhere around the 6th or 10th of May. Then I got a couple of other big tournaments in May. Like I got to be playing at my yeah. level before the end of May. But the only, and rather than worry about it and just kind of know that it will, you'll catch up. It'll, it'll show up, you know, when it needs to, if you don't pressure yourself to be there on day one. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Well, you're connected. You're just, you're such a connected individual, (laughs) despite your, your illness. I spend a lot of time by myself. (laughs) Uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim's blogs are there. The uh, Lou Reed one is awesome. The Hendrix one I haven't read, but I understand it's fantastic. There's a musical thing going on here. Yep. We can talk about that some other time. Um, uh, Humble and Fred Radio continues to, uh, continues to be a thing. An awesome uh, thing. Sirius XM yeah. uh, radio every Monday through Friday and available online at humbleandfredradio.com. The, nas- the National Morning Show of Canada. <laughs> Thank I you. Mean, I love, I love the way that you've claimed that. I have. You claimed it. And uh, we, we feel that we're number one in Wisconsin for reasons that I can't even explain. Uh, you get calls from all over the U.S. of A. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, all right, son. Uh, anything else? I hope you get better. I hope you get better. And we'll uh, look forward to doing this, and we'll be back to once a week in this season. Yes, sir. And it sounds like it's underwater. That Our, our friend Mark Knopfler, I worry for his health. Okay, it doesn't sound like that to me. I think you're going crazy. All right, kids. Swing Thoughts brought to you by TaylorMade and Clubbing. See ya. Bye. Bye.